I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch Godzilla get absolutely geeked on a nuclear reactor, getting turned up on fission. And from the deep depths of the sea, he will arise. What is it? We call him Godzilla. The Titans are back from their slumber. You humans want law and order. I am the king of the monsters. Godzilla. The Titans are back from their slumber. You humans want law and order. I am the king of the monsters. Godzilla. You drop bombs in the ocean. Didn't think about what you had awoken. The detonation like a steroid injection. He gets turned. He gets turned. He gets so pumped when he pulls up that nuclear reactor. Just spews poison everywhere. This is a. This is a. Uh, the second movie, especially, a lot of spewing. If you like spewing, Peter, <laughs> if you're gonna spew, spew into this. Spew everywhere all the Tokyo time. Tokyo Bay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where we love to watch, where movie podcasts pick a theme, we do movies over the course uh, of the month around that theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast. Uh, easy to do it this month. It's our it's our uh, fourth annual double summer month. Uh, this one, as we've noted very consistently, is uh, is the uh, we're, we're taking the solar calendar summer of of. Uh, mid-July to mid-September, but it still counts, uh, and we're doing Godzilla movies. It's our it's our Summer of Godzilla, our uh, Size Does Matter month, which is perfect because this month keeps getting bigger and bigger as we go through it and decide, well, how about one more episode? So uh, this is our fifth episode out of now ten, Peter. We're, we're now we're clocking in at doing ten episodes. Uh, we previously did the original. We did two episodes on uh, an assortment of the Showa series. We took a little 60s detour into the X from outer space. Uh, and now we're arriving in the 80s uh, with uh, with the uh, first two entries in the Hisei series. Uh, and our next episode will be two more entries in the Hisei series. The uh, I love uh, I love most Godzilla movies. The Hisei series as a whole is is my favorite has a few of my favorite entries and I really like um some changes that it does between uh between uh the the, the Showa and the Millennium series as well. It's it's very much a uh each movie follows the other very closely. They usually have recaps or references. Uh there's a character introduced in Biolanti who's then in every movie till Godzilla versus uh Destroya and it 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 really um I think some of the entries uh are uh, representative of some changes in the ability to do special effects uh, and and some changes to the overall tonal things. That is not to say, Peter, that they are all serious, as you'll find out next week when we do Godzilla versus uh, King uh, King Ghidorah. That's very much a return to Showa-era uh, silliness in its plots. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I really like this. I'm excited to, to have you go through these. I think we're picking... Uh, of the seven, we're picking four really good ones. Uh, we're doing Return of Godzilla, uh, Godzilla vs. Biollante, King Ghidorah, uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, and then we're skipping three to get to the end of the series called Godzilla vs. Destroya. So, 
Uh, Peter, before we go into We're a little bit... We're also missing all the other movies that fall into the, the Heisei era. There's a Gamera series. There's a Mothra series. Yeah, they're not connected. So uh, I didn't know this, Peter, that uh, the the Heisei series uh, is actually representative of the Heisei era of Japan. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it that. I didn't didn't know that till this this research. So yeah, there is. Uh, they bring back a few things. They have three Mothra movies that are somewhat related to these movies. Mothra shows up in um, a movie we're not going to cover: Godzilla vs. Mothra. Actually, a pretty good one. I rewatched it for for fun. Uh, the Gamera one is a whole different deal. The different studio, not Toho. Uh, he's really neat. Uh, and, and and on and on, such and such. Um, and, but uh, but yeah, they there was definitely a um, uh, reintroduction of some um, of some monster movies or some monster icons uh, rebooted for the eighties and the nineties. So before we get into how our first movie, how it got made, how we got to um, the separation between Showa and Hisei, you've seen the first two, and and really, I really wanted you to see Biolante, and we were worried that we. There wasn't a good way for you to watch it. I hope the way that you watched it ended up not reducing your enjoyment because I know, uh, again, you don't have 300 Who wants to spend $300 on a Blu-ray? Any Blu-ray, even a good movie Blu-ray. What were your thoughts of the separation between the two series as we as we go through here? I really liked that in this, at least these first two, there was an attempt to get back to some of like the grimness of the original movie. Um, but bringing in the the um, sort of playful sci-fi uh, wonderment of some of the later Showa era. Because um, this is not... Uh, just because we were stepping into, like, a new era doesn't mean necessarily that they could be disciplined and sober about this effort, like, going forward, right? Like, they bring back, they bring back uh, all the old classics. He's got to punch his way through all the old classics. But... There's like a uh, sense of ominous doom in this that yeah. I really missed. Um, there's there's hints of it in moments in the two Mechagodzilla movies. Yes. Um, there's seconds of it in Godzilla Raids again. <laughs> but largely, uh, the thing that I like here, and it has drawbacks, uh, is that it tries to focus on a small set of characters. And in the in Return of Godzilla, <laughs> Biollante gets kind of crazy. Uh, tries <laughs> to focus on a small set of characters, their dramatic stakes. And then really get down to, <clears throat> really get down to like what Godzilla is doing to the surrounding area. Um, really focus on like humanity's efforts to like stop him because he's truly like an existential threat. Because like for so much of the Showa era, um, they either take it out of Tokyo <laughs> or they uh, cr- create some sort of blasted heath for Godzilla to like wrestle on and here it still feels like you know like it feels like a real world is getting like upturned um, yeah which i i like just feeling connected i like feeling the stakes I, i'm totally fine with the kitty like silliness entering in um what I, I but what i need is is to balance that out is uh some sense that like this is happening in a real world <laughs> you know yeah yeah i mean the show era got really really silly Really kiddie, and you're right. The last two movies, I think, do a good job of of 
combining that a little bit with some stakes and some drama and a little bit better uh, directing and cinematography and some of the other things. But it still is, you know, very much uh, like a, a guy in a suit. And this, you know, these movies through all of them are still guys in a suit. They're still using that suitimation technique. But there is a little bit more gravity and seriousness to it. And that I don't want that to sound like this is turns into all grim, dark Godzilla. It is very much not the case um, where they they tr- they take it overly serious. Some of the plots are still convoluted. There's still giant monsters fighting giant monsters. The thing about the the Hisei series that I really like is that besides the somewhat again, I'm not going to say con- there's continuity between everything in the movies, but it's it, they they still introduce new characters and it's not trying to be like a part one of seven or anything like that. The consistency throughout all these and something I really like is that Godzilla is never a good guy or a friend to Tokyo or anything like that. They treat him with the idea of he is a, um, most at, 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 uh, I'm not gonna say most generous, but he's effectively a force of nature, right? He is in some ways created by humanity. He is sometimes a reckoning for humanity. Uh, sometimes he does good in the fact that he is pitted against other forces that could potentially, uh, damage Tokyo, but that he himself is never not a, a threat to Tokyo. And that lends a, a gravity to at least the, like you said, Peter, maybe not to the, all the film's plots that eventually have time travel and space aliens and, uh, and, and Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones type, type figure and things like that. But, um, uh, but, but does end up, um, but does end up at least treating, Godzilla as a as a character as someone who or, or as 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 something that poses the threat that the original was always meant to portray him as right like he he is a threat he is a force of nature that can cause damage and that that is a big change from where Showa ends up going where he does become you know friend to Tokyo protector and people cheer him on as the person who's gonna stop and that's another reason why I really like the the Hisei series it it is at least I think from a Godzilla character perspective tonally treating him with a uh, uh, the the with a reverence that that uh, the first couple movies portrayed him as, like uh, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I was reading a little bit about the future entries, and I was kind of happy to see him not get turned into um, uh, a cartoon good guy. There is a sense in the Showa era of clear moral dynamics. Yep. Um, good and evil. Um, in this movie. Uh, you could assign most hu- of humanity uh, as good, except for the Russians and the Americans. Um, in uh, Biollante, you could assign... I, I had trouble assigning Godzilla or Biollante onto the evil versus good spectrum because they just, to me, represented, like, two different forces of nature combating yeah. one another. And, like, there was moments where I was like, wait... Which one winning would be better for people? Because Biollante is just kind of hanging out in a in a pond, and Godzilla is actively trying to fuck up Tokyo. <laughs> like I don't know which one would actually be better. For well, them. and that's where most of these movies come down to. For the, I mean, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of them, like it's it does sometimes become a whoever wins we lose type situation. And Biollante calls that out specifically, right? Like Biollante's not not a threat to people. Godzilla's not not a threat to people. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And you'd expect, I think, particularly from Biollante's design and the fact that Godzilla, no matter how hard they try, they just can't not make him look like a cute guy. No matter what. And this time he has, like, big fake eyes that are, like, way browner. Like, they're more puppy dog-ish, even as his design gets more reptilian. Um, like his design in Biollante is, I think, my favorite I've ever seen Godzilla. I think it's is. I, I told you this about one of the reasons why after the first Godzilla movie, Biollante is my favorite. It's not only the best design; it's so well shot too. Um, and I also think because it's not two people in a suit rumbling, the monster fights are by far my favorite of the, as good as they get. It, you get away from the wrestling, and I'm not saying the wrestling's not good. Uh, you get away from the wrestling, and you get more towards something that resembles a fight where two things are trying to destroy each other. Yep. Um, Godzilla gets like fucked up and is like bleeding and has like it's like impaled in parts. And in this yeah. one, in Return of Godzilla, like. I get this or sort of genuine sense that it's a it's an actual animal, an actual creature, um, and I feel more animal-like innocence and sympathy for him. And and a lot of that is the eyes, those big brown. It reminds me of my dog's eyes, like yeah, a little a little too big, in a good way, like and um yet surrounded by these this massive maw that like is now like electronically operated it's very impressive the suit itself is 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 very impressive but like it still retains the piece that i we talked about last time which is like we talked about in the last episode which is like i could see why little kids love godzilla I could see why little kids would attach themselves to Godzilla when he's being a good guy, a bad guy, or something in between, a force of nature. Um, especially uh, when he's got this like emotive, sympathetic sort of face, but mm-hmm. it doesn't betray his monster monsterhood. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And the other reason why, like, good, bad, or anything that that these movies retain, I think their their enjoyability to watch is that it's also like. Sometimes it looks better than others. It's also these giant monsters wrecking these enormous models. And one thing I really like about uh, – you mentioned and we talked a little bit about the Showa series that after the first Godzilla movie, they basically rarely go to Tokyo. They're in these like sea harbor towns or fields or like things like that. And it's – you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's little if tiny – I interrupt, some of my favorite fights in the last movies we've been watching – are in nuclear power plants or like um yeah yeah fuel uh, depots or something where like no it's not a city but they're like stomping on like this big oil tanker thing and it explodes right yeah really part of, i mean part of the reason that uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and Terra of Mechagodzilla i think are so good is that they do at least return a little bit to the city there's that great shot of you know an hour into Terra of Mechagodzilla where Godzilla finally shows up or of um or in, in versus Mechagodzilla where the real Godzilla shows up and like those are like in, in like, you know, nighttime, uh, nighttime vistas over over bigger cities, you know, uh, Return of Godzilla and this repeats in Biolanti too, really underlines that, hey, the Tokyo of, today, of 30 years later is much different than the Tokyo of 1954. You know, Godzilla doesn't tower over every building. Right. There's there's skyscrapers that are three, four times his size. And so he's 
He's in some ways um, dwarfed by the progress of the city as well, even while he remains a destructive force in it. And uh, as a matter of fact, they actually um, this is this was meant as a joke. It was taken uh, seriously for a while. But the person who scored almost all the show series uh, didn't want to come back for Return of Godzilla because he said he doesn't score movies for um, um, an 80, I think an 80 meter tall Godzilla. That's what he said, because they still upped the height just so he was a little bit more like and, and and changed the scale of the models so that he was a little bit more imposing, even if he wasn't the tallest thing. Uh, and then these movies use an excuse to uh, later on to make to, to make him even taller, um, just so that he feels even more like someone who is not being dwarfed by uh, by by the city. And so. Uh, you know, I th- I think that's a very interesting change too. Like, you know, there's there's I'm I'm a I, I like Return of Godzilla. I'm I don't think it's as good as th- some of the later stuff in the the Hisei series. But there is something like you don't get in any of the Showa series that stands out when he's like, you know, conked out and passed out against a building, and the building is three times his height, and his head is kind of wedged in somewhere in the middle section. Yeah, and like the whole uh, the nineteen ninety eight American Godzilla makes a whole thing about this. Like the 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 buildings almost become um, a jungle around him, which sounds way cooler than it actually is. Um, instead, it's just like <laughs> it's just Godzilla hides behind this geometric box for a little bit. Um, getting to see him framed against, I say actual geometry, actual buildings, but like actual geometry. Getting to see him fa- uh, framed against this like actual skyline and moments where that skyline is is irrevocably altered by him is very dramatic, right? Like you're getting the sense that he's he's toppling an entire economic system. Which um, to to get into it a little bit, one of the weirdest things about this movie is that it feels like Shin Godzilla is not actually replying to the original Godzilla. It feels like it's replying to this one because. This movie, one of the first things they say is, well, we can't let news of Godzilla get out. Um, it'll cause economic economic devastation. People will freak out. The markets will crash. Yeah. Um, and then the prime minister, heroically, from that point on, as soon as Godzilla is undeniable, is like, all right, I'm going to be a perfect prime minister. I'm not actually going to make a mistake the rest of the movie. Uh, I'm going to argue with people for two seconds and then they'll start agreeing with me. Like the weirdest thing about the return of Godzilla and Godzilla versus Biollante is it has an insane amount of faith in leadership. Yeah. In a way that like, I don't recognize an American film. And I also don't really recognize in Japanese film. Like I've seen a ton of eighties, eighties, uh, Japanese movies, largely they're for adult audiences. Cause they're mostly like Yakuza and horror movies yeah. and stuff. But, um, largely they treat like cops as corrupt and government figures as corrupt and it's corruption all the way up. It's extremely weird to watch a Japanese movie. That's like, yeah, we, we have to announce the Godzilla news at just the right time. So we don't fuck up the economy. And then after that, uh, I'm actually not going to be worried about the economy. I'm going to be worried about human life. Like, yeah, they he means it. Yeah. They, <laughs> the, the, he say series is, um, most of the authority figures are generally good. This gets a little bit less um, consistent in the millennium series. And then, yeah, good. obviously, obviously <laughs> the, the it's weird the Shin Godzilla, what they, what, where the Hisei series has a ton of uh, skeptical, uh, most of their skepticism is directed at, um, 
uh, America specifically. Yes, um, the Cold and that, War, and that's that's going to come like uh, like uh, one of the I I love uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, um, but that that's a flashback to World War Two, and one of the accusations against that movie was that it was Japanese nationalistic propaganda, which we'll, we'll talk about more next week uh, because they absolutely portray. I mean, I I think this is generally fine to be honest. I mean, we did. We did do horrible war crimes to them, so I think them portraying uh, American forces as uh, uh, assholes and uh, don't care about human life is not—it's uh, not something to get up in arms about. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of ire for for the United States. Um, so a lot of times when you see like you know them, commu- you know the Japanese leaders communicating with with the United States leaders, the United States leaders are wrong about everything. And or you know, they uh, have have uh, have not so great interests at heart. Yeah, I mean, this was the the eighties were a time of like uh, economic swelling, pride. Uh, yeah, in, in uh, Japanese people, so it makes sense these two movies would seem a little um, uh, what's the term a, a, a little optimistic. Uh, yeah. it makes sense because we're so used to, especially, uh, you know, nineties Japanese movies, early two thousands Japanese movies are so touched by sort of, uh, changing cultural norms and the two thousand movies are touched by the depression that Japan had. They had this big boom, boom and bust. Um, at, I don't, I, I can't actually speak to, um, because I'm not an expert there. This is not a fuck, uh, this is not a fuck Nakasone month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is I have I, I've already had my fuck Reagan month. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything on Nakasone, unfortunately. But um, he, I do know that as a as a PM, he was he was very um, nationalistic in terms of like trying to instill a pride in Japan. Yeah. Um, after decades of Japanese Japanese culture being about sort of like uh, defeatism. Um, and, uh, people thinking there was some sense, some sense of social degradation that people they would always blame it on the youth, but some sort of sense yeah. of so- social degradation. And it makes sense that in the eighties that like people would actually buy this, that people would be like, you know, maybe, you know, the right people in the right seats could, could take care of us in a situation like this. What is weirder is in Biolante, how much faith, um, they have like extreme faith they have in uh the military the because mil- the, the military leader is like a hot 30 year old maybe 25 year old yeah. like um incredibly competent commander who makes zero mistakes from the moment he walks on frame his hair is perfect his decision making is perfect there's just like <laughs> it, when you watch these movies i'm so used to the military being you know uh, military e than being a just bullheaded and charging forward and charging forward. I'm used to the government being cowardly and worried about their elections. I'm used to um, it being the work of a small group of scientists, a small group of teenagers, a small group of, of outsiders who who take over. And that's even true in the Showa era, right? Like, um, yeah, it's so- usually it's usually more corporations a little bit, I think. Like Gigan is about like corporations being evil and yeah. the teens, teen rebels being the heroes, right? Like very yeah, you'll, you'll 60s laugh, counterculture. You'll laugh a little bit. Uh, like I, I, I'm interested to see what you think of the movies next week. But um, I mean, King Ghidorah, the enemies are essentially time travelers who 
uh, go back in time to destroy Japan because in the future Japan is so successful that no one can bring them down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, and also, like, it's so successful. One of the, one of the, like, uh, again, the what? Like, they're so successful. They bought Africa. They bought Australia. <laughs> like, oh, gross. <laughs> um, they bought them, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that. That is. A, I, I don't know enough about Japanese culture to really speak on that. Uh, I don't know if it's a translation. Uh, like the, the idea is that there's a Japanese empire that has that no no nation can stand, so that yeah. the, the world government has tried to bring down, go back in time two hundred years to bring to bring down Japan while they still can. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, an expert on Japanese culture, Japanese politics in any way, but like Japanese nationalism is like a very dangerous thread throughout their their uh, quote unquote liberal party. Um, very very complicated, sort of like how yeah. the Irish Republican Army are actually a socialist group. It's very it's very complicated. Words mean different things in different places. Yeah. But uh, the Japanese nationalism was like actually like strident in particularly the the eighties. Yeah. Um, and then uh, um, a lot of people got their head kind of smacked around uh, on that uh, again. Um, is because there's cycles for everything, right? Yeah. Like people people get very excited about like uh, their um, nationalism and. Uh, Hopefully, not enough damage is caused by those those uh, cultural forces before um, people get smacked on the head. It's like yeah. nobody. Okay, they're yeah, too far. <laughs> yeah, this actually just means exploiting you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So why was there a big break between between the two? So for what it's worth, they never intended to retire Godzilla and reboot him. Uh, Nine talk- years. Yeah, we talked about how Terror of Mechagodzilla was the least successful Godzilla movie in Japan of all time. That's still true. Uh, it was not successful. And so they they tried a few attempts to do another movie. And essentially, no one was really all that interested, especially Toho, because they just felt like, uh, you know, for the most part, Godzilla movies had and, and giant kaiju movies had gone gone the way of the dinosaur. Excuse me. Yeah. The terrible pun. It is. It is a. It is definitely speaking to cultural forces because, from my experience, the two Mechagodzilla movies were better than all of the other previous Showa movies. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so yeah, and it they, felt like they tried to modernize it. It felt like it was direct. There were a lot of good fights. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to – we talked about that last week. I would love to see that continue. And the producer, uh, Tanaka, uh, who produced the original one and produced all of these uh, and continues to produce the Hisei series, he um, he kept trying to make them. So they had a few ideas. They were going to do a color remake of, of the original Godzilla called The Rebirth of Godzilla. Uh, thankfully, that idea was shelved. They have one that there's not that much um, – a random new monster called Godzilla versus Gargantua. They had one that I would have liked to see because I don't know if it's like a Godzilla versus the Thing thing where the Thing is Mothra, but they were gonna they they were working on development for one for a while called uh, Godzilla versus the Devil, <laughs> which sounds like it would rule pretty hard. Um, <laughs> uh, but all, they also is it a banjo contest. <laughs> I don't know. But so after up after about five years, all of a sudden um, there's there starts to be more remakes of. Uh, 50s uh, monster movies. They have the invasion or, or sci-fi movies. They do, uh, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. They have the 76 King Kong remake. 
Um, Alien comes out in 79 and they're like, I think there's an appetite for this. So uh, they do a couple things. One, they they uh, they start working on their own movie, uh, something called, uh, I think, The Resurrection of Godzilla, which gets shelved. But they also uh, are like, we should have American remakes of these horror movies are really popular. We should have uh, we should sell the rights to America to do one. So um, I don't know if you saw this, Peter. They they uh, Steve Miner, who directed stuff like uh, Halloween H two O and Lake Placid and some other like eighties more you know eighties stuff, uh, was was set to direct this movie. And did you? Ha- I don't know if you saw this at all. So I, I don't know. Uh, but they hired uh, Fred Decker of to to write the uh, the screenplay for it, um, and. Uh, Toho was very annoyed because they were going to use stop motion and they didn't like it at all. And ultimately the budget for that kind of blew up in their face because part of the reason that Japan had been doing suitmation um, is because it is much less expensive than doing stop motion animation. So you get a lot more Godzilla in, in the movies. Uh, And there was actually like, apparently there was actually a protest or a petition to not do um, the the stop motion from like Japanese fans, uh, uh, Godzilla fans in the in the eighties, they just hated it all the way around. Um, so when that finally fell through, um, and they were thinking of like the Three Mile I- Island incident and other things like that, they had this push to like we we're gonna redo it and we're gonna actually go back and we're gonna forget all these other goofy Showa ones existed. But I want to get back to the idea of, like, seriousness and, um, you know, uh, 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 allegory for nuclear holocaust and everything else. And just let's start over. Um, let's start over from from scratch. Um, they approached Ishiro Hondo to direct. Um, he declined. Do you know what he was working on? Why he didn't, wasn't able to direct it, Peter? Uh, no. Uh, he was working on Ram. With oh, Godzilla. he was yeah, because he was the master of wood. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, they, so I do think it's interesting. Like, uh, and they, and they, they, they made this version. It was not a success at all. It was actually like not. I mean, it was more successful than Terror of Mac and Godzilla, but it wasn't much of a success. Um, and uh, it was called Return of Godzilla or Godzilla 1984. Uh, Peter, I had to underline that this was a thing that really happened, uh, but they shipped it to America. And I think New World Pictures released it in theaters, also not a success in America. Uh, New World Pictures did the funniest fucking thing in retrospect that they could have done, which is... I didn't believe you when you told me. I know. I, you, I, I, I could my... tell you didn't believe me, which is why I also like, hadn't done my research yet, yeah. so I was genuinely like... It's just in like Aaron's fucking with me. <laughs> it's it sounds like in, in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. It sounds like I'm fucking with you, especially after we made all those jokes about the nineteen fifty four re edit. Like it's not at all. So uh, New World Pictures uh, they 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 took they did the same thing. 
to God's to uh, Return of Godzilla that they did to the original Godzilla, which is take out twenty to thirty minutes of footage and put Raymond Burr as Steve Martin in the movie, and he is he is visiting Tokyo for the first time in thirty years, and he is trapped in the city as Godzilla reemerges for the first time in thirty years because that's the plot of the Return of Godzilla. He's never showed up again. He's all of a sudden back thirty years later and destroying the city and and. And for the American version, oh my god, like, it was the Die Hard 2 thing. Like, the odds of the same shit happening to the same guy. Um, he, well, yeah, yeah, the odds are not the odds are Not, not that good. Bad at, no, the odds are actually not that bad. Godzilla just hates Raymond Burr specifically. <laughs> I mean, that could have been, that, that is the alternate uh, canon that they had on... on uh, accidentally created, right? That, that It's actually, <laughs> like... Godzilla doesn't want fucking Raymond Burr to visit Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's kind of like the evil twin to Kevin McCarthy showing back up in Invasion, Invasion of the Body Snatchers by yeah. Phil Kaufman. It's like the evil twin version of that, where it's like the movie that should never have existed, King and the Monsters, had had a lead actor... <laughs> who replaced a Japanese guy that was doing pretty good. Yeah, he basically told um, the whole thing as a story that happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, in retrospect, extremely American. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then the fact that he comes back 30 years later, it, it, it is like an evil twin version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers thing with Kevin McCarthy, where he just like shows up and bangs on the hood for a minute. Well, uh, which so is like an amazing, an amazing cameo in Invasion. Yeah, I cannot like I I gave the old college tried at twenty or thirty minutes of to King, King of the, the Monsters, Monsters. Yeah. and I was like, I was like, you know what? Like maybe I could watch a version of this movie that's just streamlined. It's dubbed, and it has like I can watch all the fights again. Maybe I can like yeah. take the photography in again. Maybe the new score is rad. Um, no, I, 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 nothing, there's, there's nothing right, right home about this. It's, it's, it's very embarrassing and on all levels. Um, <laughs> well, there's a couple things though to remember. So at this point, we talked about Godzilla, the original non-American, non-King of the Monster version, was not available in the United States till 2004. So if you had seen Godzilla at all in the 30 years. Uh, or I guess less less time because it came out in 1956, the King of the Monsters version, you had never seen that version. Raymond Burr was a huge part of your original Godzilla experience. So in some ways, there is a little bit of sense that occurs in thinking, well, like Raymond Burr was the central figure to, got, to, to the American audience of Godzilla movies. Why don't we bring him back for our, our, our sequel that reboots everything? Like there is a... Even though it sounds like a joke, in, in again in today, at the time it does make a little bit of sense. He was the star of the original, and this is the sequel to the original. And uh, where it gets really fucking nuts, Peter, is that they actually try were decided that Godzilla was so um, you know antiquated that they were going to turn it into a comedy, and they were going to hire Leslie Nielsen to do scenes around the Godzilla footage in like, in like airplane mode, essentially. Um, it's, you know, cause this comes out like right a couple years after airplane pre naked gun. And, uh, it was Raymond Burr who did feel very passionately about the originals, um, 
uh, uh, anti-nuclear weapon message that said that was very incensed about this and the idea that like turning Godzilla into a joke um, when he was like this this metaphor that was still relevant for the 80s was going to be a huge problem and he basically said that if you do that I won't be in the movie and that made the producers go and and uh, scrap their idea to make it a comedy. <laughs> And and instead, uh, just insert Raymond Burr for twenty minutes, looking out the window of his hotel, being like, "Oh shit! Oh no, Godzilla!" So, so uh, there was a level of crazen, uh, craven, uh, just cynicism that they were operating at. Yeah, and then I was like, "That is pretty funny." And then they went to like a new lower tier of craven cynicism, which is uh, re-edit a. Um, Soupmation, practical effects, 80s monster movie into a comedy because they think Americans will laugh at it. And it's somehow, you, at one level, it's very funny to me. You take it one level deeper and all of a sudden it's like grimly depressing to yeah. me. Especially given nobody that's online right now needs to know, needs to hear me complain about the special effects in MCU movies. But... The fact that we had an era where they were willing to laugh at people willing to actually create scale models and blow them up yeah. with like blow them up with actual little special effects and explosions and take the time to like even in the crappiest Godzilla movie, take the time to at least have one sequence where a delicately constructed model is just torn apart piece by piece. Um and that we live in an era now where there where special very often practical effects are like oh that's just corny that's just corny yeah um and, but people just accept like uh the worst most bland CGI that ages like fucking milk in front yeah. of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I went through that. I, I mean, I, I don't want to open up this giant can of CGI yeah. words, but like, I, I went through that where it's like, oh my CGI God. Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you end up going like, man, CGI looks so much more real. It's because we all saw Jurassic Park and we're like, this looks so much better than whatever the practical, even though it was a lot of practical effects, but like you're, you're remembering like 20 million miles to Earth and like, you know, and like this looks amazing. And so you start thinking like computer effects are the way to go. All this other shit looks like shit, you know, and then, you know, you go 10 years later in my like childhood and to adulthood and I'm like, man, all this CGI looks like garbage. <laughs> Where are... I would just like some practical effects, uh, please. I just but, want something that feels like feels like was made by a human being. Yeah, and um, and and the process to make a lot of these. I'm I'm going to take the MCU out of it. The process to make a lot of these big budget um, special effects movies involves dehumanizing labor to the point that that labor force can't actually instill their own humanity into the the effects all they're trying to get is like recognition of what the object is supposed to be right like yeah. spider-man flies through air um i went back to the mcu thing i'm sorry but the the point is i mean that... maybe you're maybe you're uh shitting on mark webb's the amazing spider-man <laughs> yeah that's it uh, I'm, I'm shitting on movies that are uh, it's technically in uh, alternative dimensions parallel to um to the mcu um, but my, my point is this, I 
the idea of making a big joke out of these movies, even as someone who's not a diehard like you or Zach or some of the other folks that we're going to talk to. Um, we're not, is, we have no more guests. This month. We have no more guests? No. Uh, just you and Zach. Um, <laughs> Hypothetically, though, I'm assuming if we brought on guests passionate about Godzilla movie, they would agree with your point. Go ahead. Do, do we still have Glorbs' number? Can we get Glorbs on? I don't. Th- I think he disappeared from the face of the earth. I know. He was, he, he was such a good dude. He was we're such so a great guest. We were, we were so lucky to have gotten to spend the Glorbs, if you're listening them. to this, which you're probably not. Yeah. I Message imagine. us. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, we would love to talk to you. No, we still have <laughs> six more. We still have five more episodes. Please. Please message yes. before we record the album. Um, but yes. So the, the point If you're anyone here, else, though, you leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> we're private people recording a private podcast. Out in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he was he just came to mind immediately. I was like, wasn't he super into these? He was super into Godzilla. Not... Yeah, we only got him for one episode. Yeah. Okay. So my my point is that uh, it, there's something quaintly cynical about re-editing uh, a Godzilla movie into being an American thing. The idea of spitting in the face of suitmation and practical effects in the the year of our Lord <laughs> in the goddamn 1980s, like. The era when when practical effects finally hit this sort of point where money was flowing in, um, big budget filmmaking was taking off, and then we got genuinely like some of the greatest films of all time, the greatest yeah. horror films of all time, where like we may never have the sort of budgets for practical special effects in our lifetimes again that that created movies like um, the Blob remake or John Carpenter's The Thing. Like we may never get that sort of that sort of uh, money behind practical effects ever, ever again. And to laugh at that and make a joke out of it and make it into like, try and make it into an airplane movie has so incensed me that I needed to derail this fucking podcast for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. What's fun? No, it's, it's, you're, it, it is a bizarre, it's kind of like, um, I think we probably talked about for Star Trek four, Peter, when we did it, that, the whole point of that movie was they were going to get Eddie Murphy to be in it. And it was going to become a joke when they went back in time to the 80s. And then they scrapped it at the last minute because a lot of the Star Trek actors were like, I think that's going to overshadow the Star Trek part of it if Eddie Murphy is joking about all of the Star Trek stuff. Like, why would you make who – who is that movie for? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but so what's funny though, so I, this is the first time, Peter, we're, we're about to talk about the movie Return of Godzilla, which is the unedited, um, Japanese original. Um, that didn't come out till 2015. So we talk about that you couldn't see, um, the original Godzilla in its like original incarnation in the United States until 2004. And you couldn't see the original Return of Godzilla released in the United States until 2015. Um, so I, this was the first time I'd ever saw it and I hadn't seen Godzilla 1985 since I was maybe in junior high or high school. Um, because I didn't really, I think I only watched it once. I didn't really care for it all that much. It's, 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 it's okay in what it was trying to do, but like it, it, I also felt it was a little, a little boring and I would have done the, I would have, uh, tortured myself in the same way I did with King of Monsters and rewatched that one along with this, um, because I, I think there's something at least somewhat interesting about comparing the two because you know i'm comparing this movie to a a 25 year old memory of me watching the american edit 
and remembering Raymond Burr looking out a window like on a seat. He never left that seat as far as I can remember and asking various (laughs) Japanese characters to go do other things. And then they would run out and I think just be in the movie (laughs) or something like that. But uh, he's like the the Olympics ads told me I could walk into any restaurant (laughs) and say omakase. Is this true? But he um, but that 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 version is gone. Like no one has ever released it. The Blu-ray doesn't have it as a special feature. It, the last time I can tell it was released on, uh, uh, um, released on DVD was like one set in 2002. So yeah, I could buy it, but it's effectively out of print. But they they really what? Well, King of the Monsters is actually still relatively available, not only as like a Criterion special feature, but like you can go on. Apple or Amazon or Voodoo and and just rent or buy the King of the Monsters version. Uh, the, the the American version that was the only version you could watch for thirty years is effectively scrubbed off the face of the earth now. Um, I'm starting to think I got into Godzilla at almost the perfect time. I mean, yeah, the the Heisei era has is is a little sticky, but like Showa, my access is unreal. Yeah. Um like Yeah, and that was only a couple years ago too, right? That that I think that set came out 3 years ago. They're making new American movies which I, I like <clears throat> uh <clears throat> pardon me. Spoiler. I like uh at least some of them. Uh, I haven't seen all of them yet. You've only seen um, one. Yeah, I've seen I've also seen Skull Island, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, so, one that's I guess would become part of the overall series. Um but I like those movies, um, but the fact that I have the new stuff and the old stuff in easy access is is pretty terrific. And the fact that like I had to watch Biolante on an archive.org um, link was, was, you know, it's better than not seeing Biolante. It was, it was, <laughs> the quality was like DVD quality. Uh, I didn't have to sit through ads. I think it was uploaded by somebody at least pretending to be Toho so I could wipe my hands of it morally. Um, well, also you can't buy it. So I feel I feel OK about and like I have no. Yeah. yeah. Once once something is like not available for streaming, whatever. I'm like, yeah, some asshole got greedy and now none of you get money. Yeah. It, and that, movie, that, that asshole in this case is ago. Harvey Weinstein because the rights for that one are owned by Miramax. Um, Why but, don't like like. I never understand this when a movie has has a subtitle track and the process for, like they they don't even have to do any work they they like can literally take in leasing rights from Oh Sony, was the like, bi- was the Biolante one was it uh dubbed or subbed on archive It was subbed Oh that's nice Yeah but like they literally all they have to do is like sign a piece of paper and take money like you know that you know that one the the all the the fucking like uh if not Criterion one of the other big companies would all be like we want to make the Heisei box set we yeah. want to make the Criterion equivalent to the Heisei box set like literally like sign at the dotted line you will get yeah. your checks every month <laughs> yeah I mean that is uh why are they not doing this what, what's interesting you know I talked about in the first episode that one of the reasons that I, I think it became you know became easy to become obsessed with Godzilla was not just that the the movies were good and there were a lot of them but how difficult they were to find and and Peter that never changed until recently and even now it's not a hundred percent like the they 
and in part it's it's for the same reason that all this shit happens, right? Like they're international movies that um they sell the rights inconsistently. So what what the 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 we can talk about this onset and then we can get into Return of Godzilla. So the Hisei series like so Godzilla 1985 uh which is released in the United States comes out a year after it gets it gets released. Um, and it's released by New World Pictures, which owned the rights and uh, until New World went out of business. Um, uh, and and they released it theatrically. Godzilla vs. Biolanti, which comes out in um, in Tokyo in, or in Japan in, in 1989, that those rights get sold to Miramax. Miramax ends up not wanting to buy the rights because Biolanti ends up not being a success in, in Japan, which we'll talk about here shortly. Um, they end up having a court case two years that's tied up in court for two years. Um, and eventually Miramax does have to end up buying the rights to it and they release it to HBO home video. Like they, they don't, they don't end up releasing it to theaters as they were originally planning it. So now a set, so now you have two Hisei series and um, two different companies that own the rights. Then, because none of those were successful in the United States, no one buys the rights to the next the, the next five movies in the Hisei series. They all come out 91, 92, 93, 94, 95. The first one of those, finally, uh, Columbia TriStar, ends up buying the rights to those remaining five, and they start releasing them on home video in 1998 to coincide with the release of... The uh, you know they own the rights to the the or Columbia TriStar did the did the Roland Emmerich one too, so you have uh, even to this day Biolanti at least the United States rights is owned by a different company than the than the rest of them, um, and then at least Columbia TriStar ends up I think owning the rights to all of those and the Millennium series which they start releasing dual packs that are easy to get both in streaming and buying discs, but it is funny that like if you were an American Godzilla fan. You were able to see a Raymond Burr version of The Return of Godzilla in, in theaters, theoretically. Then you'd wait seven years to see the next one on either VHS or on HBO. And then you had to wait six years and then over between six and seven years to see all these other Hisei series stuff that are that then just get released to video. Um, but were released you know, in theaters in Japan and become more and more successful. Yeah. That's so. It's, it's bizarre. So like it's just it's it's, diff- it's it's so different than like the version of reality we have now. That like just there's these Godzilla movies and no. I mean that happened with Showa too, right? You have ones you have like you know uh, uh, um, uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster airing on TV in 1968, uh, and then two years later they're releasing Monster Zero theatrically, even though that came out three years before in Japan. Like the the way that they ended up like selling international rights was just like a movie at a time, and so you know that made for some very interesting releases, and and also why up until Criterion did what they did um, with Janus Films and get the rights to most of them at least for their box set and, and a lot of them or all of them for the box set and most of them for streaming. Um, it, it's always been so difficult to always track down a few of these just because they just would sell them to someone. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm holding the line. Uh, the best time to get into the Godzilla. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. When I did or past this point. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, right now there's only one that that's, that's hard. That's hard to find. Um, 
otherwise, though, you're right, Peter. But let's we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, so, tell me in five years, Arrow isn't going to figure out a way to make at least like Heisei part one. <laughs> well, I uh, I do think like part of the reason we delayed where I was we almost did this last summer, Peter, and I said like. Maybe someone will figure out something with Biolanti in a year because it's just weird that it's just completely unavailable. And nope, instead of, I think, $100 the discs were going for, now they're $300 because of how scarcity works. Um, but yeah, Peter, let's talk more about the return of Godzilla or Godzilla in 1984. Let's do it. so convoluted <laughs> walk through it and i love it to death but like I, this I will like be the, the least shocking thing that you'll hear and i'll just say it now that uh the director of godzilla versus biolanti was not all that interested in directing a godzilla move movie but what he had always wanted to direct was a james bond movie <laughs> <laughs> he did make a like really hot arab assassin oh yeah like a fucking cool dude he drives that sick whatever knockoff DeLorean and he's got like an SVD and he's got slicks back hair and sunglasses. He directs Godzilla versus King Ghidorah and he uh, throws in a Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) As, as As you you want to do. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Walk us through, uh, walk us through the return of Godzilla. So this movie takes place actually in a, would you say Godzilla's back? I would say he is returning of, and no more. Godzilla emerges from the, Pacific. I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> yeah, Blah! I'm, I'm back. Okay, again, it's like who? No one can do a Godzilla roar, so I'm not. <laughs> time I'm going to try to do that. Well, I'm freaking I'm back. What? Yeah, he's, he's like a scrappy do figure. <laughs> well, technically, well, well, it's it's good to to get this out of the way now. This is a direct sequel to the original Godzilla. Yes. They are they very much recognize that this is 30 years after the events of the original Godzilla yep. attack. He has never emerged since then. None of the other so, Toho movies matter. Also worth noting, they clarify this in a later movie uh, in this series that is very connected. Um, this is not the same Godzilla. Yes. This is I, I saw this when I was digging in a little bit. Um, and the fact that they just had another Godzilla is the easiest option. Yeah. Right. Like. like yeah, we saw, we yeah, saw Godzilla get turned into a skeleton through the oxygen destroyer. They're not trying to be like, um, that was a dream. This is this is a different. This is a different one. We're gonna find out this Godzilla's origin, which is separate than the the origin they um they talk about in um. In uh, like you know the cavity through the earth comes out for food. That's it's actually not where this Godzilla comes from. Yeah, it made me look like a real fucking clown in front of my wife, who was like, "So what's how did Godzilla 
um, become born, and I'm talking about cracks and surfaces of the earth, and that there was like a subculture down below. Well, you haven't seen the like, one that makes you look like a fool, stuff. so don't let her, don't let her, yeah. don't let her see King Kong versus Ghidorah, where uh, you you meet. <laughs> they go back in time to the God, the pre Godzilla Godzilla. Um, just making me look like a real fucking clown. I'm trying to explain. Hey, uh, is this uh, this island that's the cracks in the earth to you, Peter? <laughs> if we go, when we went on our honeymoon were you like oh I'm in the cracks of the earth right now she's never gonna let me live this down um, yeah. but yeah so Godzilla um, they're back baby if you can say that they're back because it's a second one regardless Godzilla as a uh, cultural object is back yeah. uh, and uh, there's a there's a there's the, there's a sort of mini remake of the original movie where a ship is out in yeah. the Pacific and uh, horrible circumstances happen in the ship because there's sort of a rumbling in the ocean. And then uh, a reporter stumbles upon the ship, uh, goes on board, and this is like actually kind of like fun, scary, like kooky, scary. Um, yeah, it's like it reminds me a little of the Cloverfield bug things. Yes, a hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. I actually wrote that in my notes. The Cloverfield blood parasites. Yeah. When they bite you, you you explode into blood mist. Yeah. It's pretty rad. Um, Cloverfield's but good. The, there's these little. Uh, yeah, we considered including it, but I would rather get more mainline Zillas in. Yeah, um, I, and I uh, I think maybe doing a found footage month would be fun too. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but they, these little crustacean barnacles, horseshoe—they look a lot like horseshoe crabs. Yeah, uh, and uh, about as horrifying as a horseshoe crab, called a sea louse. Yeah. Um, uh, sort of chest-sized, um, big monsters are eating away at the crew. The crew has been affected by um the sea louse, but the ship has stopped because of a run-in with uh, our old friend Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, this reporter, and I, there's no easy way to say this uh, that doesn't sound racist. The reporter and the guy that he rescues are very similarly handsome. Uh, it's it's like two Hemsworths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are like, like if Liam saved Chris. I don't think saying two people in a movie are handsome. It's, 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 it's racist. Just, it, you're not just there's you're shots like they where look, they have yeah. Go ahead. There's shots where they have very similar haircuts. They have similar like striking handsome guy jaw lines. Like it's just the fact that they're both Japanese. I don't yeah. Just needed to say that when I say this later. That sometimes I confuse these two characters. And then I was like, why is he kissing his sister? Oh. Uh, anyways, so the reporter uh, helps save this uh, this uh, member of the crew. Um, he has this member of the crew has uh, is doing sort of like moonlighting yeah. on this 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 vessel um, for extra cash to help put his sister through college. Uh, back on the mainland, we sort of get uh, involved in then this family dynamic. And the people that you really need to know are um, the uh, reporter uh, is uh, in love with uh, this guy's uh, sister, the survivor. Yeah. Uh, the survivor's sister, excuse me, and the survivor uh, is um, going off on his own adventures. The reporter's going on their own adventures, kind of trying to get, like, I don't even know. Like, they're trying to get around the Godzilla situation. They're survivors. Yeah, they're, not, like, they're, they're, they're trying they're not, to. It's not like the sequel where they're actually trying to stop Godzilla, right? Yeah, it's more about, like, they feel like that they, the, the state, there's a funny line that, like, um, what do they say? They say they basically are like, you're you're 
you're aligning with state secrets over your brother. It's like, well, you know, I look, I'm not a, I'm not a pro any government really, but um, I understand why they are like, aren't releasing necessarily the Godzilla tapes to the, to the public yet because <laughs> to honor your specific brother who has died. Yeah. It feels, yeah. Like, it feels like a big ask, I guess. But this is the 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 global conflict is more important than the personal conflict. The personal conflict is yeah. Just the there, pr- so I mean, the prime minister is like a main character, and he has a very funny line um, as well. Never um, <laughs> done quotes when he realizes that Godzilla has reemerged for the first time in thirty years. It goes. <sighs> I was hoping to finish my term without incident. <laughs> <laughs> when he says that and then it's right after the line or right before the line about the economy yeah i'm like oh this is this is like a a mini version of shin godzilla where it's all about cowardly little bureaucrats fighting out uh, who gets to yeah. get stuck holding they're, they're all playing a uh, hot potato who gets stuck holding the you know the potato um so the i mean the but he kind of he kind of acts like Oh, I thought I was just going to coast these last few weeks and like, I guess I got to go to work as opposed to like, yeah, Godzilla is more than just a little incident disrupting the end of your term, it feels like. <laughs> oh, God damn it, a Godzilla situation. Oh, that's got a lot of paperwork. A lot of press conferences. They really oh. set it up like he's going to be a cowardly little bureaucrat, yeah, right? Yeah. And, but then, the, then they like make they make a solid dude. And, well, he's a solid dude, and they make uh, America. I mean, the we're that's a little bit of a flash forward to to the movie. But they really make the biggest threat in this movie not necessarily Godzilla at some point, which is actually the thing I this part I thing probably I love most about it because they knock out Godzilla pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, relatively quickly once he gets to Tokyo, and but uh, the Americans uh, or sorry Russia. And the Americans in Russia were fighting over it. Uh, shot a nuke to stop Tokyo, to, to stop Godzilla. And the one of the biggest threats is that there's a there's a nuclear missile headed for Tokyo, and there's Godzilla like fucking knocked unconscious. And it's like, oh no, how are we going to stop the nuclear weapon these other idiot governments sent to us? I'm less tolerant to how little sense this plot makes because it's the 1980s, where I'm like. You just, sh- you just showed Godzilla getting absolutely geeked up on some nuclear reactors, and then you're going to try and nuke him? Like, what the fuck? But yeah, Well, so but I like the idea that, Jap- I mean, the prime minister in Japan is very much against the idea. And again, these these kind of Cold War enemies are jockeying over who can blow it up quicker. And they are, I mean, there's a lot of iron disdain towards the United States and I think Russia as well in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently in the American cut, um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about it really quickly. Yeah. Godzilla goes for Tokyo. I don't know if I need to. Yeah. I mean, he, he feeds off the, 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 the deal here is that it's in the first one, if he was like looking for food, this one, because of, he basically eats nuclear waste. That's what he eats. Yeah. Yeah. He's he sort waste. of become like an icon of yeah. nuclear waste, yeah. right? Like a nuclear pollution icon. Yeah. A- and, uh. He's headed towards the mainland um, to do his his uh, like fairly lengthy Tokyo attack, right? Like it's like the last. I mean, he does spend a chunk of it unconscious against the building while the 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 threat of the nuclear 
missile is approaching. But I, I mean, the last half of this movie is him in Tokyo, either destroying buildings or characters running away or him being knocked out. Cause they design a weapon, um, called the X, which shows up in like, they, there's an X two and an X three. Um, third one, of course, super, super X, super X two, super X three. Yeah, there, there, there is that the, those come later. Uh, X three was directed by Brett Ratner. It's considered the worst of the X's. Um, <laughs> They, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it sort of works, right? Like in a way that weapons usually don't against, against Godzilla. They, I mean, it, it knocks them, knocks them out eventually. And then the threat is the idiotic, uh, Cold War enemies that send a nuclear missile to, to blow up Tokyo yeah. to stop so Godzilla. Godzilla is doing great. He's blowing up a lot of miniatures, which are totally stepped up a level. Like the, the little, not just the actual like uh, miniatures they're using, um, but the um, they're, they're doing more insert shots, like insert shots inside the cockpit with a composite Godzilla. They're actually oh, facing yeah. off against instead of the the airplanes being obviously model airplanes, and they don't even build a cockpit. They just kind of fly around. This uh, this era gets space. for the most part much better at composite shots. There's this fucking great scene in uh, versus King Ghidorah next week. Where Godzilla's walking in the background, in the foreground, are all these like cows because he's like walking through the fields towards Tokyo, and it looks like if you were looking at a cow, like a cow is in a pasture, and then on the hills behind them, it's Godzilla. Like it, it, they really get there. There's still some wonky stuff here and there, but for the most part, like the the composite shots are 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 really good, and that's especially true when they do night photography, which we're going to talk a lot about the 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 Hisei series. The I I do think that the Hisei series does a lot better at recognizing like where we can make Godzilla look real, and then sometimes they still decide to go to the the Showa era like in a indescript field or like. Um, a little bit too much where they don't worry about what the, the, the painted on sky and the looks like behind them. And it, it, it looks fake. So the, the weird thing about the, I think the Hisei series is that where the Showa series always kind of looked a little bit fake with the exception of the original that, that really takes advantage of night photography to, to make it look, uh, terrifying. Um, it can literally go from this looks amazing and as good as I've ever seen Godzilla stuff to this looks like Showa era uh, shitty uh, field miniatures and a painted on gray sky. Yeah, like there's there's incredible work just in this movie and in Biolante. Oh, yeah, they're um, two of the best. Biolante yeah. has an incredible composite shot of the assassin standing in front of a window and got and he opens blinds and Godzilla yeah. is standing in the background. Yeah. The only thing that ruins that shot is because he, the actor doesn't isn't very good at dialogue. Um, yeah, they do goes, not care about the people that speak English in these movies. He in English goes, "Damn it, Godzilla!" <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I I I honestly think that if you, <laughs> it's like Godzilla stole his girlfriend. If you <laughs> told me that Toho had a dare to see how they could hire the worst uh english speaking actors for these movies i would i would believe you because again i guess no no not too much disrespect for the actors they didn't cast themselves 
And they weren't being directed by someone no, who spoke English, I don't think. but it's really, it's consistently bad every time they have English speakers, which is not, all, has always, not always been true. Like, Invasion of the Astro Monster has an English speaker as one of the main characters, and he does a very good job. Like, it's, I, I don't know what the deal is, Peter, I really don't. Um, but it is, it is, uh, it's cringy about how bad some of the line deliveries for English speakers are in these movies. Yeah, yeah, I, I run, and it's just like it's kind of part of watching. We're gonna run into this in Shin Godzilla again, I believe. Um, it's just kind of part of watching these movies. For some reason, they're not. Uh, it might be a direction problem. It might be a, a, a talent pool problem. Um, getting a, 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 a white people to do give good performances in these movies is really hard. Um, I don't know why. Um, but anyways, uh, and, uh, you know, all people that aren't Japanese, I guess, because in the sequel, that's not a white guy and he's yeah. not good. Um, he, he has a great look. Like he's, he's, he's they look great. As fuck. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah, there's amazing composite shots. Uh, Godzilla's nuclear mouth, uh, uh mouth breath, m- m- nuclear, what do you call it here? Nuclear breath? Yeah, I call it his, yeah, his nuclear breath. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he blasts the entire coastline and blows up all these, like, tanks and shit. Yeah. And it looks incredible. Looks in- it feels- these, these two movies do look, like, just absolutely incredible. And I do think there is a step down in some of the later movies sometimes. Still some great scenes, uh, Destroy especially. But, like, they really, I think, figured out, um, especially in Biolanti and, and in this movie as well, like, Oh, we can make this shit look really good at this point. Yeah, and people are there's shots of people burning in a, a you know Godzilla blows something up and and people burning in the same shot as like Godzilla destruction happening in the background. There's people bleeding and running away. Like there's special effect shots happening in the foreground while the background is is Godzilla composite, and that's that's rad as hell, and it adds to a sense of intimacy. Um, there also this movie has the requisite must be must have this to be a good Godzilla movie shot which is Godzilla picks up a train um and everyone inside is fucking screaming and panicking the one thing that i while we're here just thematically the one problem i have with these movies is that they will commit to having these awesome interior sets and hiring a cast to be there for these shots um but they don't come back to it for the deaths the deaths are sort of sterilized. Like the terror is there in the buildup, but the actual deaths are sort of snuffed out. Yeah. And it kind of bugs me in two instances, one with the train car. And then later with the X2, they just, or X1, excuse me. <laughs> um, they just kind of drop a building on the X1. And then it just kind of, <laughs> eh, it's literally, there's like seven people in there who have been fighting Godzilla for like 40 minutes. Like, we've been following them. Like, essentially, the X1 becomes the military and is shooting these uh, cadmium rounds at Godzilla yeah. that actually really fuck him up. It's kind of jarring because, like, wait, you have weapons that can actually mess up Godzilla? <laughs> like, so far, nothing has worked, right? You always have to do some weird trick by, like, burying him in a volcano <laughs> or yeah. in a glacier or making him fight King Ghidorah until he realizes he's too sleepy to fight you. Um, <laughs> like, you always have to do something to yeah. make Godzilla go away that isn't conventional weapons. Um, and cadmium rounds are not conventional weapons, but, like, um, the X-1 is doing great, and then Godzilla drops a building on it, which is awesome, but it's missing insert shots that of the actual like people in the build in the ship being like, oh shit. <laughs> like 
We're having a building dropped on us. Yeah, it, it does lack. No, no. There's no movie in the series. I don't. I you know maybe I guess some of the like I forget if Shin Godzilla I think has a little bit of this, and definitely I think Godzilla 2014 has some of this. Uh, as well as King of the well, uh, yeah, 2014 has a lot of it actually, and that actually leads into a lot of the the stuff for uh, King of the Mo- the the 2019 King of the Monsters. But like there there is there is a seriousness of the death that's occurring. There's a lot more focus on that. There's a real toll, but there's not really a scene like there was in the original Godzilla of like people wrapped up in you know. Um, in a makeshift Refugees. hospital. Yeah. Like with, with uh parent or children screaming for where their parents are and, and stuff like that. Like it's not quite going into full on, like it's, it's, it's a little bit dark and it's a little gloomier, but it's not going into the full on, like, yeah. Um, post nuclear Holocaust, like iconography. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I understand that they need to strike a balance because these are like, Expensive movies that are to a broader audience, and you don't want people to hate Godzilla. Yeah. Um, But it's just so tough, because like you said in a previous episode, like, the original Godzilla, the first Godzilla, is the best Godzilla movie. Yeah. And to me, that's it, because like, the first Godzilla movie is willing to recognize the dichotomy between how rad it is to see a city getting torn apart and how horrifying it is to see a city getting yeah. torn apart and that we get both halves of this, this sort of um, um, spectacle soup. Um, and I feel like we, 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 as an audience, you deserve both halves of the spectacle soup. Like I don't want people's lives to be turned into uh, zeros and ones, right? I want people's lives to be turned into like, sacrifices and, and people's lives having an, uh, I, when Godzilla stomps around uh Tokyo, I want it to have an effect on human beings because I'm a human being and I find that relatable. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Godzilla knocks over building and building is uh, crumbles. I I have a little bit of a problem. I think the movie is kind of a divided beast in that way. Where I, I think you're right. That the, there's there's um there's an ominous slow build that feels so good. Like I love the first 40 minutes of this movie. Like I was like five stars. This movie is amazing. <laughs> um, like the, the slow build, they're really focused on character building. They they'll never get the original sort of like um, uh, uh, love triangle plus the professor uh, professor father in the original movie mm-hmm. but like they're trying to do something like that where they actually like we care about enough people in this mix that we don't want to see a building fall on them um and there's this ominous slow build up on ominous slow build up and then they introduce all these new military toys and all these uh highly competent government and military officials to pilot these these military toys and and th- like we know exactly who to root for like I'm kind of alienated from the apocalypse, I think. Yeah, well, and I think... Like, we we're, we have the apocalypse right in front of us, but I'm a little bit alienated from it in a way that, like, I can't feel scared or a sense of heightened... heightened like, yeah, and awe. some of that is that I think... I think the... I, I am torn by the back half, too. Because, like, I think one of the things that they were going for was this idea of... Yeah, there's... The the technology in the Showa era doesn't do shit ever, right? Like he steps on tanks, 
it's always some other monster that needs to fight. And at some point, obviously, they don't want to stop Godzilla because Godzilla is their weapon against the monsters destroying uh, Tokyo. <laughs> but I like I do like the the alienation and the coldness of like. You know, Tokyo is so empty and dark at a certain point because they've evacuated. We get to see a lot of those scenes of people running away and screaming. It's really well done. And, um, but like Godzilla is, as I mentioned, he's dwarfed by the buildings. He's getting super, he's getting fucked up by the X, the super X. Mm -hmm. And like, it does feel like Godzilla is almost not a match for, um, like he, he was an imposing and destructive force that was unstoppable in the fifties because he was built by the most um powerful destructive force that existed in the fifties. But like that he's he's like the, the current incarnation of the world is more dangerous than it was in the fifties for Godzilla because of the um the the nuclear arms race and the Cold War and these treaties and the way that they've invested so much in like uh, weapons and technology and and stuff like that. And like the only reason that Godzilla has any sense of triumph in any capacity really at the end is that you know like i said russia's submarine accidentally or she shoot they sh- they're arguing about shooting missiles and then a sub gets destroyed and he accidentally shoots a missile and then america's like oh well we'll help you out we'll blow up that missile and everyone's like don't blow up you're gonna blow up a new <laughs> stop it like everyone's like stop do the like, japan's like don't this is fucking the missile I and mean, we're gonna okay we'll blow up the missile with our missile right and so like they <laughs> blow up the missile and godzilla is just laying there fucked up done by the x by the super x and um when um the emp blast or whatever blows up the nuclear missile over tokyo and the like the nuclear fallout stuff you know rains down that's when godzilla gets supercharged and has power it's like once again they are their own destruction like they they have in in injected in a way godzilla with the um with the power of the 80s era nuclear age and then he destroys you know, drops a fucking building on the Super X and and generally, um, you know, emerges not triumphant because they still have to march him off to a volcano for his crimes or whatever. But like, you know, there there is a sense of like he's not a match for the 80s level of of nuclear arsenal and weaponry until he uh, gets injected with that uh, through the through the dis, the the explosion of an uh, a weapon because of two idiotic superpowers who can only see this thing and go we gotta blow it up now we gotta blow and up they, the thing we sent to blow it up because something else blew it up like and it gives it actually gives credit it's it's actually a very pacifist message in in in, in more in a more than just uh yeah, finger wagging at Cold War powers which is in and of itself a noble act right. Um, because this movie, when it came to America, a lot of that was edited out and the nuclear strike on Godzilla was seen as an intentional act as opposed to an, uh, accidental act. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they cut out enough to make it seem like the guy just hit the button to launch the missiles as opposed to the, the Russian guy trying extremely hard to, um, shut down the sequence yeah. to launch the nuclear missile. Um, that... The movie is like, yeah, the average the average person doesn't want war. It's these diplomats screaming in a room or trying to showboat that lead to war. Um, and that's that's what I think is like uh, like when the movie's at its most powerful. And I do it, it's 
like I like that Japan is like this unified front because it makes the messaging more sound. Yeah. But it does contribute to this overall feeling that there's no human drama. Like the movie the, the human drama does go away a lot in the second half. And I think also like the movie the movie is constantly like, what if two people got along? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's why, like, I gave this one three and a half stars, like, if we're going that, like, it it's definitely better than my memory of the Raymond Burr version, but, like, it it also is just like, and again, you know, I the director of this movie has made no other movies that I've seen. He never ends up doing another Godzilla movie either, and I think it's just missing, like, um, something that is... Like, I think it's doing dour and depressing well, and I think that the problem with that, like, it's both equally effective and alienating in a way that makes it, at some points, a little bit draggy and boring. Like, if it's... You can make the case that it achieves what it's going for, and what it's going for is potentially a little less exciting um, than I want in my... And then, like you said, it, it kind of... Um, you know, the human cost that we're seeing at the beginning with her brother dying and the deaths on the ship and some of the early destruction is replaced with, like, cold diplomats fighting over how to destroy this this thing using modern-day weapons. And, like, that's kind of what the movie's about, and it's successful at that. It also is a little bit uh, draggy. And then, you know, Godzilla gets life... Um, breathe back into him by nuclear fallout essentially and um you know fucking destroys things and it, the uh, an explosion look look great and there's buildings dropped on robot you know jet ships and it 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 rules like that's all really good um but i think you know if we're to move on peter i think where why biolanti feels like so good is that it is just incredibly well directed and understands like you don't have to do like how much something that the show movies eventually learn too, which is like you need more than just characters who only exist to react to Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. On a, on a, a, a <laughs> we kind of described it as like a divided uh, a house divided against itself, a divided beast earlier, and. The drama, the human drama, it feels like it's not that committed to that because it doesn't want to show Godzilla as like a bad, bad guy um, that or it doesn't want to spend time there. But it is slow enough to have plenty of time to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, then with the government, they spend a ton of time with the government and the government acts nobly and bravely pretty much immediately. Like they they immediately call in plans like A through C they they pull up the evacuation immediately. The movie actually, the, I don't think Biolante does this. The movie treats like the common people as like ravenous animals. Like people start panicking and rushing through the streets. Oh no, shit. they they like, have that. Like actually, like these first three especially just have some amazing like people uh, fleeing their home shots. It's just it's it's I I just have a lot of I don't have the Japanese political history to put a point on this, but I do have a lot of weariness to um <laughs> I don't have I don't have I don't have like exactly the political history for this, but like well the government tried really hard and all of you panicked and that's why you didn't get out of the city on time. Oh yeah, there, <laughs> there like, is a little bit of that, yeah. It's very paternalistic, right? Um and the fact that the super X does work 
the Super X's cadmium rounds do knock Godzilla on his ass, and it's very funny that when the sequel comes back, they just have a new way to knock Godzilla on his ass that, like, totally works. Yeah. But they're like, no, we don't need the cadmium rounds. Those were associated with disaster last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, the film is overlong. It has, like, but it does have a grounded, like, nature in that, like, I there is three people in a building. Yeah. Who I do not want to die in that building. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's that is important, but it it again the show. I understand that they're kind of going back to that. I'm glad that within the next movie they realize like we need people to do more than just react to Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the tough dichotomy, right? Is because like the super axe feels like a relic of the Showa late era, where it's like all about these like sci-fi toys like this these big government toys it feels like it's trying to sell toys to kids like the super x as a device also it just looks like a metal it looks like a metal slug which is a square um, boss yeah Yeah, it's just this like big bulky like kind of like fat tick thing um you could it totally feels like they were trying to sell it um to to kids um like oh and your super x can drop out Troops through the back. <laughs> Super X dropped the missiles. Oh no, Godzilla! <laughs> yeah. I can see the, the the toy commercials now. Um, as soon as the Super X showed up, I was like, "Oh, they're going to try and sell this, aren't they?" Uh, didn't do. I any mean, they probably didn't research though, on that. for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do any research on that front, but it just has that sort of itch. Um, and, and the point is not so much was this uh, blithe um, capitalism as. Um, does the movie have a sense of ah gee wonder clashing against its um this is the eighties, this is this is modern, this is uh this is uh a modern struggle against a mo- in a modern Japan. Like that's the dichotomy of the movie is like ah gee sort of sci-fi, um, you know, we can get it done if we work together, paired up against um isn't it horrifying when people walk out of a building on fire no. because Godzilla lit everybody in the building on fire? Yeah, do you know that's not great? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, I can understand why, you know, if we're, uh, to, to kind of pivot to Biolanti here, I can understand why audiences were kind of like, oh, okay. Like, this is not, I think, really the type of movie that makes you go... Godzilla is back, and it was it was worth it. It is a, a great entry. It's definitely an interesting one transposed with all the Showa ones, right? Because it's just Godzilla. He's back as a terrifying monster. It kind of wipes the slate clean for the most part, besides the original. But it didn't it didn't really do that well in in Japan, and so they weren't they were gonna it, it likely would have gone in a a longer pause. Um, to uh they weren't planning to make another one until the producer of these uh saw little shop of horrors peter huge success mm-hmm. uh and i did you yeah I, I could pick up on that yeah i mean that's not that's a direct thing but like because some of the other monsters they, they made remember a sequel to the jeff bridges uh king kong movie i think it was king kong lives i want to say and that wasn't successful um and and so like they were kind of like well this didn't really work out, uh, but Little Shop of Horrors was very successful in Japan, and they're like let's do that. Um, so they they got the budget to make another one again. We're we're talking still five years later. This is not the let's rush them out that's going to come after uh, versus uh, versus King Ghidorah, uh, but uh, yeah they're they're 
they they decide to make another one. They hire. Hold on, I'm trying to. I just okay. Yeah, they hire a new director's name's uh, Kazuki Omari, and uh, as I mentioned, he had no interest in making a Godzilla movie, but did have a lot of interest in making a James Bond movie. And unlike uh, so, Omari comes back for uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which we're going to talk about next week. But the thing about this movie is that because Godzilla Return of Godzilla wasn't that much of a success. Uh, and, uh, and Toho wasn't really pushing, like, let's really push this franchise and do more at this point. He has a ton of freedom to do whatever he wants. And so he ends up making what is, I think, considered today as kind of one of the, the, the truly like less kid friendly movies. This movie feels like epic in scope. I've said, I think it has some of the, 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 by far the best monster fights at the end, there's blood pouring out of Godzilla and a plant is being torn limb for limb. And it really feels at, uh, of a piece with like the eighties era, uh, big monster Stan Winston era of, 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 of 80s movie monsters in the United States. Like when you think of like the blob or some of the other, I know that's not all Stan Winston, but like that, that sense of like these big detailed creatures that have like, you know, pustules and, and, and vines and tentacles and other things like this movie looks and feels like no other Godzilla movie, which is why it's, it's by after the original, it is, it is my favorite. Like they stumbled onto something here that's amazing, and we're going to talk about why we never really got another thing like this uh, near the end. But yeah, Peter, this was this is um, before we get into the plot a little. I am interested in what your general thoughts are on this one, just because I this this was something that we almost didn't do because I didn't know how you're going to get to watch it. And as you can tell, I was very passionate about. We have to figure out a way for you to to see this one because it is one of my favorites um what were your what were your overall thoughts um this is where godzilla became anime uh, <laughs> great that's that was the way i digested yeah. this movie is i i was really into it but the way that i was able to digest the multiple subplots and the fact that okay so let's just take us through the first few minutes yeah. we, we there's american war profiteers <laughs> that try and steal godzilla's flesh who are assassinated by an assassin by the Saradia Oil Corporation. This assassin, who, by the way, is cool as fuck. Cool He's got, fuck. like, an SVD yeah. sniper rifle. He's got sunglasses. Yeah. There's a shot where my, my wife looked at me, and she was like, she was like, don't you have that same outfit? <laughs> it's, like, black jeans, a black tank top, and these black sunglasses. And I was like, yeah. I've got that same outfit, but I can't grow a fucking sick beard. So thanks for rubbing it in. Well, yeah, because it, it uh. starts with them going through. I mean, actually, can we – I want to pause there for a second. I don't think I told you how each of these follows up directly with the last movie. Were you a little surprised at how it was like uh, – because it actually starts with that amazing like close encounters of the first kind – uh, uh, like terror Godzilla terror alert system they put into place where it's like G one is like you must have been like this is fucking rad. It's it's super. I know I love that shit, yeah. and that was this is this is all contributing to my overall point. Yeah. That this is when Godzilla becomes yeah. anime. Um, and then uh, I don't know, man. Five to ten minutes through all this, they're like, and also there's a psychic academy for kids. Yeah, I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and, and, Hold on. I want that is why like when people I think sometimes I've seen this online that like they like the Showa era because it's silly and goofy in a way the other eras want. Like 
I I swear to God, they are forgetting what some of the Hisei stuff was. Like, like Hisei is, and I, I'm just going to, like, these adjectives functionally mean the same thing, but I'm going to define them a little bit. Like, is as silly as, like, from a plot perspective or a willingness to, to go to outlandish things as anything in the Showa era. And I think a lot of times it does silly better. What it's less of is goofy because, and, like, tame because godzilla is murdering people and is a and is a threat right like the plots themselves are still convoluted and and bizarre and nuts and and engage in all the other stuff it just doesn't have like godzilla slapping high five with a robot friend because it's it's not that type of silliness uh yeah yeah it's it's a different type of silliness that i think is more on my wavelength um i will say as someone despite being someone who uh, spends hours talking about uh, the Technicolor film and uh, 60s candy colored uh, photography. Um, I am, I think, just inherently, aesthetically, more of a 80s guy than a 60s guy, unfortunately. Sorry if you have to unsubscribe to the podcast for that. But I know we mostly um, cover 60s films and not 80s films, so this is probably a <laughs> huge surprise to you listeners. <laughs> But the the directness of the filmmaking here and yeah. uh, the speci- the specific type of eighties corniness is just more my so, bag so. than sixties corniness. I'm aware that they're both corny. It's just it's an aesthetic it's a, preference. It's a different kind, yeah. But the but when the, if they introduced psychic kids in Godzilla versus Gigan, I would have been like, "You son of a bitch!" There's already <laughs> cockroach aliens. <laughs> I got I got to keep track of this now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they don't in, really in dwell this. they don't really dwell on it that much to be honest. And, and it's like, like look, the psych- we got the psychic girl Mika comes back and She's in all she's in the rest of them. Yeah. She works yeah. for various forces and she she's great. Like it's it's nice. It has some fun consistency where you actually have a regular character through all these movies and like um um, you know, she eventually too, when uh, Godzilla Jr. shows up in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two, um, you know that kind of becomes her. Like Godzilla is this destructive force of nature who has birthed this animal that is not actually birthed from the the from from violence, right? Like this was this was an animal now, not not birthed from the atomic um, atomic age, but from so like how do we protect? it as its own species while also recognizing that Godzilla itself is a, like, again, a, a hurricane force of nature that can't always, that can't be controlled and can, can hurt people. And that's, that's a fun uh, change to the series that comes later on too. Yeah. I, I, I and, and I, I quite like um, the sort of continuity they're doing here, which is that Godzilla as a creature and the relationships that he builds or doesn't build or the animosities that he builds and doesn't build um, is, is, is stacking up. And they pick and up, they pick up where the last one left off, right? Like, so in this one, yeah, they, they, they go to, which has an air of continuity without feeling like it's like really marred into some sort of like, well, you know, this is a Netflix show where everything needs to build up to the big finale. They all have their own, you know, monsters and, and, and big finales, but yeah, they start with two like opposing forces: the the military and and this other force who's trying to get the Godzilla cells, right? Like, and so it starts with like that 
big bang and Godzilla's in the volcano and there's a terrorist organization who's like trying to use Godzilla as a terrorist weapon. Like we're going to release him from the volcano unless you do what you're asking to. Meanwhile, yeah, there's psychic kids. <laughs> They're getting trained. There's a mad, there's somewhat of a mad scientist who, I don't want to say like mad scientist, but like, cause he seems so, so chill generally until everyone's like, you're fucked. The kind of science that you're doing is not science where he has taken some of these G cells, combined him with a plant. And then when his wife dies, it's, 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 it's his wife, right? Or is it his daughter? Um, it's his daughter, his daughter Erica, yeah. um, where he combines all those cells together, a plant, <laughs> the Godzilla cells and his daughter cells. Which is what makes Biolanti spoilers. Like, that's all nuts. And that's a lot going on. And I think that's why, like, re-watching this for the first time in probably, like, 15 years after, um, I was like, this, immediately I remembered, like, oh, this isn't, like, a memory of, like, I look back at it and go, oh, I guess that was my favorite when I was 16. But within 20 minutes of this, Peter, I was like, when Godzilla emerges from that fucking volcano with just, like, an insane amount of pyrotechnics and explosions behind him, and he looks just like a furious force of nature, I'm like, yeah, no, I remember why this is my this is my second favorite. Like, this is so goddamn good already. And so, okay, so when he comes back in... He is re-emerging like an anime character where you're like, man, I'm glad we took care of him. We threw him into that volcano. He comes out of that volcano unscathed. He's not tired from having been sitting in liquid hot magma for a few years. He just comes out. He's it's like it's his fucking wrestling walk on. He's just like he's just climbing out. He's screaming on his way out. He's just like, I'm gonna fuck up something. (laughs) That's that is that is why the the first 45 minutes of this in particular feels so animated to me. And then the last five minutes of it are extremely anime. Yeah. Um, last five minutes because, are definitely anime. <laughs> and it's because of anime's ability to be like, listen, we know this is a martial arts show. But anyways, there's also aliens. And also, um, <laughs> also, this is about nuclear weapons. And also, it's about genetic uh, uh genetic uh experimentation maybe we shouldn't have cloned dolly the sheep i don't know anyways there's also a psychic academy of kids did you know yeah we need someone we need someone wears, to like talk. cool band t-shirts Look, someone's gonna talk to the plants okay <laughs> like it's gonna be important yeah it has all of listen fucker you're not gonna get through this without somebody talking to the plants well yeah and remember the whole point the scientist was who also i guess is adjacent to the psychic academy that his daughter was a part of like the the reason that they had the Godzilla cells is that they were supposed to use those to make anti-nuclear bacteria, which is, hey, we're just going to give the bacteria to uh, to Godzilla because he's, you know, he takes power off of nuclear weapons. So if, if we create anti-nuclear bacteria, a thing that definitely exists in science, don't worry about it. Um, actually, it does kind of exist because they have tried to use bacteria to clean up nuclear test sites. So that's not as joking or far-fetched as it um i just made it sound um and they also reference the thing that's real which is trying to devise uh bacteria that eat um uh like petroleum cells or whatever and clean up uh new uh uh, oil yeah yeah um, sites so uh but they are using that instead he injects those 
in, into the Godzilla cells, into the plant and everything else. And then some of his dead daughter's cells and makes uh, this plant that is looking like the early stages of Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. And when they when the both the terrorists and the police converge around um, uh, both protecting the cells and stealing the cells, they get killed by the plant monster that we just see tentacles of. And then they they go there and they're like, Oh my god. And the wall's missing and he realizes that his plant daughter escaped. It's it's so good, Peter. Uh yeah, when we start seeing um plant tendrils choking people to death and tearing them apart, I was like, "Oh, this is why Aaron <laughs> loves this movie and that's why I love this movie." Yeah. It it it, it so it already sounds completely convoluted. It is there's so many different uh, pieces going on, but I think that's why it just works really well. It is it is constructing a like follow up. You know, it's a sequel in like in in the sense of like we're we're gonna we're gonna leave you. We're gonna pick up right where the last one left off, and and so we don't have to reintroduce anyone. We know where everyone stands. We know what the threat is. Um, but also that like it's just very well directed and shot with understanding like okay post Godzilla world what are people fighting over well Godzilla has a power right um, some of that power can be found in his cells we saw in Godzilla in the Return of Godzilla that just these sea louses like feeding on him they turn into these giant monsters so like collecting his cells for genetic engineering and genetic weaponry is something that like would be a thing additionally godzilla existing in a world with like uh that's very you know the 80s especially not that it's not a case today but you're talking about like al-qaeda and taliban and you know afghanistan and all the stuff that and all the other billy joel lyrics that apply to the 80s like they're they're thinking about it like there's could be different factions that like would want to use godzilla for you know, to threaten governments and other things like that. So they have that part going on. And then also, like, thematically, um, you know, the director, Omari, was like, if I really want to still stick to the idea of Godzilla as this, like, allegory against weapon proliferation and the the threat of of, of stuff, and he was like, you know, the, the, the kind of, like, bio-weapons that were being created and talked about in the 80s was the next frontier of, like, threats and so i want to take this idea of people using godzilla's biology as a way to threaten people even more by making bioweapons and genetic splicing and things like that so like all those things really like coalesce around this like incredibly dense exciting movie the density is particularly interesting because like it felt like they watched the last movie and they were like you know, nobody really cares about these characters. What if we just do more characters? <laughs> um, which I, I don't actually have a problem with, like, um, because what we're getting in exchange are, like, shootouts and crazy sequences and the downtime between when, you know, stuff's getting blown up. The only problem I have um, is that, I'm guessing because of limited budget stuff, we don't get to see, like, Godzilla mess up too many cities or structures, really. Um, he gets to mess up some military boats. Um, but, like, his battles are in, like, uh, the at the, at the sea. Um, and then with Biolante and a big pond. And that's totally fine. Uh, especially, you know, back-to-back with the previous movie. But, like, the one thing this movie's missing is, like, I wanted to see, like, Biolante taking over, like, a city, a yeah. section of city. Yeah. 
And I wanted to see Godzilla trying to navigate a city section, right? Like yeah. that, that that's been taken over. Like I wanted, I wanted both halves. Yeah, um, I mean that would have that, that would have been cool. You, I'm not, not going to debate that, that, that I wouldn't have enjoyed that. I am asking for something that does not exist over what does exist in front of me. What is what does actually exist in front of me is rad as fuck because it's just full of these like uh, funky shootouts and. There's two fights with Godzilla and Biollante. Yeah, first, sure first a in a flower that's... form, and then in an evolved monster flower form. Which both are great, are so um, because uh, <laughs> because Biollante is essentially Godzilla. Um, Biollante is calling to Godzilla, but we don't totally know what purpose for. Well, and Godzilla, um, we yeah, know. knows like this guy's got my cells. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's like, like it's like two people with the same scent competing over like land i mean it's not it's not like all that uh bizarre with erica's soul in there you don't totally know what the purpose is for calling godzilla like is it to help defend japan or is erica's soul being in there just sort of like is erica's soul just sort of like part of the energy forces that drive this thing forward yeah. because it's not a nuclear weapon yeah like i don't know i mean the shots um, of the the first version of biolanti in that bay like this towering mountain giant flower just is it's great. I will say, though, like, and this will actually compare to the next movie, like, everything they do with Godzilla in this movie looks great. Um, it really is, on every level, one of the most impressive. Like, I am pretty sure, it's really hard to infer, because sometimes it's like, is it just bad directing and bad lighting? But even in the next movie, which is directed by the same, as uh, Omari directs the next one, too, which is a, a good movie, but it does suffer a lot more from, like, the shitty daylight um version of godzilla where like he's very he's he's less clearly in the ocean battling ships and much more like in a tub with a painted sky battling models right and that you know (laughs) where that where that line divides can be tricky sometimes because it from watching these movies again like i've I've watched what five heisei movies in like the last all this last weekend so i even though we're only covering four i decided to to watch godzilla versus uh mothra again and so like i really do think i have a good sense of oh here's why this looked rad as fuck and this looked like oh okay cool like yeah godzilla fighting models i like that like and i really do like that i'm not trying to like um but like when you see something like godzilla versus biolanti and everything looks so goddamn good and then two years later uh another movie i love but things look less good more of the time it is like well what what changed here and i really get the sense the 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 water scenes like when he's taking on ships in this movie was filmed outdoors and i like i think the light is the sun or like whatever they built was out was out, out outside and so like Instead of the weird gray background that you just know as a human, like, that's not the sky, and so this all looks somewhat fake, like, I'm pretty sure they did this outside. And I and I, and I think that makes it look, that gives a sense of, like, combined with the models and the way they're, he's just doing so, the editor's fantastic, the cinematographer's great, they're doing so many fast cuts, like, this really looks like Godzilla is not fighting models in a cool uh you know insane to scale model set but is 
getting attacked by boats, marching through towns, going through bays. And there's also that amazing shot of like, speaking of great composite shots of Godzilla emerging from the bay with uh, Miki there. And I mean, it really looks like almost as good as in some ways better as anything from like Godzilla 2014 where someone is sitting on a dock and then in the in the in the foreground and in the background facing them is to our screen is Godzilla like it looks fucking amazing yeah yeah the compositing shots that they have in this are just like dramatically a dramatic improvement um you don't have to take them on some sort of like oh studio 60s backlot kind of um (laughs) extra extra, yeah you don't have to uh, mentally scrub the like black um outlines out of your head yeah Yeah. i mean like i said like one of my favorite shots that we've seen so far actually sorry i I said i liked the shot earlier i want to put a bullet on that one of my favorite shots i've seen in the entire series is there's the assassin gets sent into um some building to hunt down the doctor, the scientist. And he like opens some blinds and Godzilla is like thrashing around in the background just very slowly. Or he's just kind of like a walking very slowly. And you can see like a little bit of Godzilla through the blinds and you open it and it has this like dramatic reveal moment. And the guy, you can tell the guy's just like, fuck, I have to deal with that now. <laughs> um, one of the best shots in Godzilla history. Like, it's some of the composite shots in this are just so dramatically just like whoa holy shit um you've managed to nail the size and the sweep and the epicness but while when things actually need to happen um things are actually happening so i while this movie is very complicated in its first 30 minutes and i can see why like people would not like that um or they would be like distracted by it for me it actually accomplishes what i want which is i want to bunch of people doing activity around godzilla yeah (laughs) like having their own goals uh and sometimes the goal is just to survive but uh if you can't write a good human story in in the midst of godzilla that has like dramatic import um just write a bunch of weird spy espionage stories that happen to take place around godzilla and people trying to collect godzilla uh you know godzilla skin Godzilla cells. Well, I mean, I I do think there's like again, it's not going for the. There's so many characters, it's not going for the long dramatic stuff. But I do think you have like no. younger scientist who isn't sure if they should do the anti nuclear bacteria because once again they're introducing more weaponry into a world to fight Godzilla that was caused by introducing these higher tech uh, weapons into the world. You know, you have the um, the scientist who originally was like, I won't work on this project, but then, oh shit, like my daughter's at risk and like, or what I've remained of, of my daughter's at risk. There's like, you know, uh, shadowy government type organizations who are trying to, you know, benefit from Godzilla to gain power. Like, it's, it's not the same as like, you know, following a couple or one or two people through these, but I think... I think the motivation and the individual like betrayals or personal sadness or just threats that are occurring is like compelling enough in the same way like a James Bond drama can be compelling, right? Like you're you only know this character for 20 minutes while they help while they help James Bond through something, 
but like it's their compelling of a character and their motivation for the short time they're in their movie is clear. Like, I mean, that's an example of when it's done right in James Bond movies. There's many of those that are, that are not, but I, I think all these in this movie click together really well while also being like so fucking bonkers that the ending of the movie is not Godzilla finally like having the nuclear bacteria, anti-nuclear bacteria rain down on him after Biolanti dies and him having to retreat to the ocean where he stays uh, uh, in stasis being attacked in, in like, like in some weird, uh, I don't know, like uh, 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 rock. Uh, what is it? Um, Sisyphus or some, someone pushing the rock up the hill or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sisyphusian. Yeah, Sisyphusian, like, uh, a limbo state. Um, but that afterwards, <laughs> like, the, the assassin finally goes and shoots the scientist. Like, that's the fucking end of the movie. Is like, everyone's like, God, we, Godzilla's gone. My daughter lives on. And then the fucking assassin dude rolls up out of his car and shoots the scientist dad guy. It's particularly funny because, like, the what we didn't know we're like following the assassin long after we think that the anti-nuclear bacteria doesn't work yeah yeah <laughs> i guess it wor- it works in the end it does work it just yeah. requires it requires quite a bit of giddy up um but we're following him for a while we're like I don't know, man. This is, I think the scientist doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. I think he's just mourning the death of his daughter. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe we could leave him alone. And then his fucking chest explodes. Yeah. I mean, what an insane ending to these movies, Peter. Like, I forgot that that happened. Like when they're like, well, we lost a few people, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the assassin guy rolls up in that fucking like 77 Lincoln and shoots the scientist. It's like, oh, fuck. What a weird way to end this movie. That car is so sick, it dude. Is. He's he, it's it's such a beautiful 1980s like chrome like Yeah, I shouldn't call it a 77 Lincoln cuz I don't know anything about cars, but um it looks like it looks like whatever Honda's version of a DeLorean yeah, would be, yeah. where it's got like a similar sense of like 80s version of sexiness, but like if you get into like you need to like replacement parts you can probably get them yeah which is not true of a delorean um that kind of thing i i love the first fight with biolante because he's like losing petals and he's bleeding these green goo and he looks so he looks peaceful when you first approach him but he's just like absolutely like a monster on the scale of godzilla but he he he's essentially just like a big tulip for a moment. Yeah. But I mean, he's got and the cool it, tentacles. Yeah. That wrap around it's and deceptive. Yeah, he pulls them off and green goo flies everywhere. It's like the petals are there to like attract mates. Yeah. And once this thing realizes it's ready for war, it turns into a crocodile. Um, and a crocodile that can spit acid goo. Yeah, but it still um, has tentacles. Let's not. It's still. Yeah, it's like a tentacle crocodile. Seeing it get to move is pretty cool. That felt like probably that required like ten dudes to do. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, they they, they uh, that flush. They talk about how they tried to do. They they were thinking about stop motion for the plant and like everything about creating this was apparently just a complete nightmare. I mean, it looks incredible and it's gross to look at. It has um, these sort of um, it's like a mesh uh, around its like neck and, and body with these like deep sunken sort of pits 
that that move and undulate as it moves and then the tentacles seem to come from like some sort of like back recesses like i can't describe this thing as having any particular shape because it's constantly sort of transforming or um repositioning where like the angle that you're allowed to see it from all i know is it has this big like fucking crocodile shark head with no eyes on it yeah tentacles in the back and this absolutely disgusting like really gross like uh what's the thing called where you're afraid of like clustered holes like people are afraid of like like uh, sponges and and spider eyes and stuff. Yeah. There's a specific specific fear of like clustered holes. I, I feel like this would set that off pretty pretty well because it's 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 a uh, buggy. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's so great. Like the design here is amazing. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like part of the reason I think the monster fights in this are so great is that it does allow. I mean, he's fighting a plant. So the plant gets to be stationary and they're able to shoot these like tendrils or other things or Godzilla moving into it. It does like, I, look, I love these movies to death. I don't want to, I don't want to complain too much about two people in suits hitting each other. Almost always an unreality to that. That's really hard to like separate yourself from like uh, even even the like the, some stuff in like Godzilla versus Destroya where it's less human than like a guy in a suit, even though it it has like some components of like puppetry and guy in suit. Um, but like it becomes very apparent watching this back to back with King Ghidorah, where it's like a monster that's moving on a wire being hit up against another human being. There's limitations to what you can do there. Where in this case, there really isn't right because. You can wrap tendrils around a, um, you know, it's it's why the uh, the little shop of horrors is, is so well remembered for like still looking very like not not real in the sense that it's realistic, but real in that it's present and interacting with the characters in there because of uh, it, it it for the most part gets to stay stationary while it interacts with other things around it. That same effect here happens. So you have these. And again, the direction, everything else like works in its advantage as well. So you have these amazing scenes of like, you know, uh, uh, Godzilla being uh, arm being wrapped by a tendril and Godzilla pulling his arm away like violently, which rips off the tendril and goo uh, goes out, which is just not the same, not quite the same thing as like a laser, you know, um, of a guy shooting into Godzilla who then like falls a little bit like a human while the actor tries to get like it just it it looks different. So the the fights here look as and because it's not CGI, like I think you can make the case that the Godzilla fights in this movie, even though it is only those two main ones with the monster, um, look as good as they ever have or or potentially could ever ever be uh depending on your appetite for some of the the cg which i think it looks pretty good in a lot of the the american stuff but it, it definitely looks different um than than something like uh, this. it gives me it gives me um the final form of the thing in Jack oh yeah i have i have the thing vibes a hundred percent that's why i like it feels it's like 80s like stan winston of like it's Phil like a pillar of flesh yeah, yeah. where it, it feels like there's strings also like men in there just wiggling their arms around also like what the fuck's going on i know the final effect in john harper's the thing is largely stop motion um 
but uh, it gives me that similar sort of vibe where this thing is moving at such an alien weird pace that like it can't be it can't be a person that you can wrestle with. Yeah. Whereas Godzilla, part of the relatability is that he's like a bipedal dude, essentially, like he doesn't have the same ethics or motivations as a dude, but like he's sort of like a an animal monster dude um yeah. that you can you can kind of at least uh, you always kind of know what godzilla is up to yeah and i actually like you know what he's pissed about you know why he's not pissed any longer you know why he's pissed at this thing like the motivations are understandable biolante is truly alien which i also think is like a little bit comparison to the other godzilla movie that we did a long time ago like uh, Hidora is not is a guy in a suit, but it's a very weird guy in a suit compared to like I have two arms and I must punch. Um, that a lot of these other these a lot of these other monsters have. I actually think like even though there's only the two amazing scenes of the fight with Biolanti, I do think Peter like um, I think you're forgetting that like the Osaka stuff where he fights the Super X two in this one and he's destroying buildings and stuff like that. I actually think that's like even more dynamic than some of the stuff in Godzilla Returns. Like, that's some good old giant city destruction um, with a very aggressive, menacing Godzilla and a director who's uh, less likely... One One of the things that we didn't really talk about this with Godzilla Returns... So the suit in Godzilla Returns, like, um, that that Godzilla has some thighs, right? Like, he is, he is uh, rotund at the bottom. <laughs> He's got Hell he's yeah. like an hourglass where the top part of the hourglass doesn't exist. He's more like a like a, a notary. Scott Thicke. He's a notary stamp figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, there's these uh, tons of these wide shots that really show him dwarfed by buildings, and I like all that stuff. But it looks like he he doesn't move well in the wide shot with that suit, and so like there is a little bit of waddling that's occurring that looks you know again just looks more silly than what they're going for in that particular movie with the way that the suit's designed and the way that it's shot when he's attacking osaka in this movie uh a the suit design is better b the director is much better at like flash cut to this show the face show an arm doing this and i i I, while still like a far out pan with the so you can see how the scale of the buildings and things like that and i i love that scene in this movie the the way that that mirror thing moves and like flows back the energy at uh godzilla is really cool um the the and then the fact that there's a whole strategy session when the mirror actually breaks oh yeah and they're like and we're like we'll sacrifice it and it doesn't actually end up doing very much is is very interesting to me because like the movie is about like these toys going up against godzilla but the only thing that really matters are these other otherworldly forces they seem to ignore biolante for a massive chunk of this movie and then it's just like at the x2 which is by the way like the mirror trick works about as well as the cadmium rounds in the last yeah X, by the way next when the x3 shows up which won't be till a later movie peter but one that we're watching x3 does good st- like it does what it's supposed to do to it actually like uh yeah the it's it's the X is not whack. Yeah, and it feels like it's just beaten down on Godzilla as opposed to... Um, but when we finally get to the end and, like, Godzilla has, like, torn apart Violante, and also in the previous movie, Return of Godzilla, when Godzilla has just been, like, shot up with cadmium rounds, despite the sheer thousands that are dead because of this rampage, I still feel bad for him. Like, I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, like I guess. Did you he take was, his souls? <laughs> but I feel bad for him. And the way he sort of just collapses at the end of this movie, just fully exhausted, is like it's kind of sad. Like it, it's like it's like when you know you've hiked your dog too long. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, also, like you know, we've avoided the term Lovecraftian until right now that I used it. But like, Biolanti is like a flower, and then a weird like plant monstrosity thing. Like there, there's not a sense of. Uh, you can't really anthropomorphize it all that much, right? Like it's it's a no, it's a it's that's... a blob, and like yes, I know Brenda's in there or Erica. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you know Brenda's funnier, uh, but it is. Uh, but I I know his daughter's cells are in there, whatever that uh, means. And there's a second connection with Miki, but um, it's still like you're still kind of rooting for Godzilla, which is which is the secret trick that even when um. Even when Godzilla is, again, a destructive force of nature in the Hisei series, like, he still eventually is sometimes framed as, like, not a hero, but a, like, an animal that needs uh, guidance a little bit, which is where Miki comes in. It's still Godzilla, right? Like, you're still, you're buying the ticket to see the destruction. The only one that really had the ability, I think, to, because he wasn't a a cultural icon to turn that on its head was like the original where you are might be there to see a movie monster, but the level of um, destruction and sadness accompanied with that is not one that you're like, go big guy. Like, (laughs) you know, I want to see Godzilla fight the giant plant monster. And it would make me sad if someone had stopped Godzilla before he was able to fight the giant plant monster. Even if that meant that like certain towns were not destroyed Where like in (laughs) the original, I would like my ideal, my ideal, um, I would have been fine if he didn't destroy Tokyo ultimately, because that's very sad what happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the movie is called Godzilla versus Biollante, not Godzilla, um, featuring Biollante. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they fight. Bum, 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 bum. When we get to the the actual Biolante fight, that it is like so fucking epic, and it's it's tearing. Yes, it's so brutal. It's tearing into his flesh. It's throwing these like barbs, these barbed tendrils, like into him and tearing out Godzilla, like yeah. blood. Godzilla when he's going for like the main body, that thing is fighting. When we finally get to the point where Godzilla can like just do a nuclear blast right in his mouth or right in its mouth, her mouth, is God's I, I don't know what Godzilla's pronouns or Biolante's. Well, pronouns. I think I think is a well, she. I think technically, I think, I think technically plants are both, right? From yeah, her... I think Biolante is she because Biolante has Erica's spirit in there, and Erica is a also has Godzilla cells. We really this is uh, Godzilla this is Godzilla cell erasure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Your daughters have your cells in them. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully less nuclear radioactive material. I don't think you can misgender. That's can what you comes misgender with the a plant? <laughs> no, I more meant because, like, you know, Godzilla nerds are theoretically listening to this and being like, Godzilla's an it. And um, anyways. Oh, it's so, it. I will probably just continue to call Godzilla he for a while. It's it's. it's they fun. do actually. They, um, uh, I was not. I, it's because Godzilla reminds me of my dog who is a yeah. he, so we're okay. I think they do say it a lot in these movies. I was noticing that. In they the do. Story. I like. I think the idea is that it's like 
an alien. Yeah, it's a force of nature. And, like, it's, it's not like it's not like a yeah. Yeah, it, the, the biology doesn't doesn't uh, ascribe to anything that we would call sex. Like yes, um, we also like it's not like the previous movies where Godzilla had like an adopted son or something. Like well, no, this time to... he does have an actual child. Um, but I in the, in, the, in these yeah. ones. Okay, but no, yeah, the it's not a goofy uh, adopted son who's trying his hardest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what I want to know is 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 he living up to the family? Name? No, I mean, but that was the whole thing. You never saw any of the ones with uh, with, with whatever the fuck his name was. Um, I can't believe I'm forgetting, but uh, his whole thing was like trying to impress dad. <laughs> so. And this is, and it's not Godzuki, it's the no, other God, name. No, it's just, it's Godzilla Jr. is what they, they end up calling him Godzilla Jr. Jr. Yeah. It's actually, like, the only movie you're watching with Godzilla Jr. is, like, really God good. damn it, these are my trilobites! <laughs> you're eating all the nuclear weapons! <laughs> That's my PowerPoint. There's there's a bit there. I'm too sleepy yeah. to do it. God damn it, it's there. so late. Um, yes, so, um, kind of final thoughts. I do appreciate how they took a series that was getting a little bloated um, and a little too tonally inconsistent and takes it back to its roots as best as they can with Return of Godzilla. And then immediately in the direct sequel, they go as batshit <laughs> crazy as they ever went yes, before and start <laughs> start injecting like more plot lines in 20 minutes than uh godzilla versus gigan could uh possibly consider a godzilla versus megalon couldn't dream of introducing psychic kids 25 minutes into the it's movie. not even 20 uh, minutes they blow up the psychic yeah, building in 15 minutes into the movie yeah that's true. i also love that every true. time i mean again it's like close encounters and it's so goddamn good it's so goddamn predator it's so goddamn 80s i love it so much where every time one of the g stages passes they show it back up on the screen um just a wonderful little yes touch. yes yes uh there's a hyper competent set of professionals who are hard at work back at whatever the japanese pentagon is they uh, are letting us know on a map what's happening when um, with a big G logo. It's rad as fuck. Um, this movie does have kind of late Resident Evil uh, game. Oh, vibes. yeah, that's a good call out. Yeah, especially by Alante's second form. First form, not so much. Second form. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I guess they both also have a big different colored belly that whenever you shoot it, like shoots out yellow green goo. I mean, there's a whole giant plant that kind of looks like Biolante in Resident Evil, the first one. So, yes, exactly. So I, I think they both work as uh, Resident Evil monsters. Yeah. So kind of like final thoughts here. I don't have anything fully cogent, yeah. but I feel like that would be inappropriate to the movie. Um, but I'm going to shoot you like the... 30 seconds before you're end, done with your... Come out of my car. <laughs> I'm, everyone's going to think your final thoughts are over. Murder you. <laughs> the I don't have a true final thoughts for the beginning of the Heisei uh, era. However, uh, I'm very much enjoying the sort of aesthetic or textural shift that we're experiencing. Where like we're not so much in these this uh, wrestling brawling '60s Technicolor world. Um, it felt like Mechagodzilla movies, as much as I love them, that they're like five-star movies, um, that they were kind of butting against um, 
like a, uh, a a conflict between where their audience lie. Where was it? Was it for children? If so, why is there so much blood and <laughs> sex? Um, is this for um, is this for adults? If so, uh, why could you why could you take basically any of these characters and make them into Saturday morning, um, you know, like Power Rangers? style um wrestling shows what we have here is when you bring into the new era an attempt an attempt to speak to a new era but in a way that like we kind of have the language for now more like in this in the 80s in america as well we learned how to create blockbusters that actually could speak to everyone yeah. So, I mean, obviously it was the creation of the PG-13 rating with movies like uh, Gremlins. Like, in the 80s, we learned how to make blockbusters that could, yes, appeal to children greatly and, like, drive massive box office numbers. But figure out what that mix is between blockbuster and serious dramatic film that makes movies like Jurassic Park appeal to people uh, decades later. The sort of Spielberg formula. And these movies are starting to tip into more of like the Spielberg vision of what uh, a big blockbuster could yeah. be, which is that despite the fact that I'm sure these movies were made by people who definitely had money on their mind, the cynicism of them uh, in the core Japanese movies uh, feels uh, kind of distant. I can actually like take what they're saying at face value uh, and accept the failures as failures as opposed to accepting the failures as cynical attempts to reach out to an audience that they didn't actually have an intention for with the film. So uh, when the dramatic stakes fail in the first movie, I feel it's a genuine sense of, 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 um, of uh, script writing failure and not that they were like, ah, throw some drama yeah. in for, you know, the old folks. <laughs> yeah. And they were um, taking a lot from all these unproduced scripts, as I mentioned too, and like trying to figure out like, what is this? Cause they had essentially like the producer Tanaka had been trying to make it for, or another Godzilla movie for as long as they weren't making Godzilla movies. Yeah. So it wasn't, again, this was, it wasn't an intentional retire, which is what will happen at the end of the the Hisei series. Uh, will be intentionally they are they are closing the book on it, which is um, a different dynamic than where Showa ended up. But and they'll actually advertise that a movie killed Godzilla. Yep. yep. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, this movie Biolanti not a success at all, uh, and to, and also the brutality of it uh, made Toho take a greater control in the remaining uh, Heisei series. They, it's not that they necessarily wanted to go back to the Kitty version, but they wanted, you know, with 85 fails, this one fails at the box office. They basically decide, let's give it another shot and let's bring back some of the more recognizable um, Godzilla characters. And that essentially is what Heisei does for the next three movies. They basically say, hey, uh, Ghidorah, uh, Mothra, Rodan, Mechagodzilla, what do they... What does that look like in this in this kind of new block more blockbustery era of Godzilla movies before they decide to again branch out a little bit more with some original stuff? One to terrible effect in one of the worst Godzilla movies of all time, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and the only uh, entry in the Hasey series I don't really like care for all that much. Again, th- still three stars because Godzilla's in it. But um, and then to fantastic effect in the finale of Godzilla versus. Uh, destroy a 
but we'll talk more about that. The director Omari returns in the next movie uh, for an extraordinarily, probably the most convoluted, goofy Godzilla movie that's ever existed, but still just, I think, generally a ton of fun. While also, Peter, I can't, watching them back to back, I couldn't help but recognize, like, yeah, the shooting it in the daytime with, with the clearly the painting, it was a mistake. And I think, I think one thing I'm going to really codify next week is that, like, all Godzilla scenes should be at night <laughs> with big, big old spotlights and other things that, like, in the day, it, it does. It never looks quite as good, especially with the in the giant like fucking hangers they they shot these things in with painted <laughs> backgrounds. But uh, we'll get to that next week where we cover Godzilla versus King uh, Ghidorah and the finale of the Heisei series, Godzilla versus Destroya. And until that, we'll destroy. See you later. listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> If you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years uh we really do appreciate you uh with kisses and smooches peter and aaron